0: Pastor Derek is in Ohio this morning. He is going out with his family for a family reunion, and, and everyone in Ohio gets to meet Elijah. So he gave me a call this week and asked me if I would come out and speak to you. And I said, yeah, <laughs> definitely, I definitely will. Uh, my name is Cassie. I am the Children's Ministry Administrator. So on Sundays, I live back there. With all the kiddos. I love it. When I got the call this week um, to preach, I sent out the email and I was like, okay, everybody, I need your help because I can't jump in and do anything. And the people back there are amazing. They stepped up, they took it. We got this. No big deal. It's hard for me to stand here knowing that there's stuff there's crackers to get there's juices that spilled you know there's stuff and so it is it's hard for me to kind of stop and slow down because that's my routine but they're amazing people i love them they do such a good job amen um okay i was hoping i was hoping to come up here just fired up you know to share a message and uh, i am actually very humbled this morning I had, we had a situation in our home this morning, and it just kind of, it kind of put things in perspective for me. I'll tell you about it. Um, Today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you about our identity in Christ. And I, the experience we had this morning has never been more real or more, um, I guess, solidifying who I am in Christ. Um, I'm, I am a mom of four children. They're amazing, but they're little people. And I'm also going to school to be a counselor. I'm getting my a master's degree. I'll be done in November. And so, yay, I know. Uh, uh, I look like I'll be done in November, but that's not how I feel inside. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, everybody keeps telling me I'm on the downward the downward slope, and it's not the downward slope. It is the incline right now. It's the comps exams. It's the national counselors exams. It's, it's this is time to go, you know. Um, so I'm actually, right now, I'm currently interning at Peak View Behavioral Hospital right over here by St. Francis. Um, I'm going to share two stories real quick to let you know kind of where I'm at, why I've been humbled. The other day I was driving down Highway 24, coming from Peak View, and I saw a girl walking down the street. She was 13 or 14. She was walking down Highway 24. And I thought, that's not right. Something's going on with this person this isn't OK. And I was like, oh, I should pull over. I'm a woman. I could pull over and say, hey, where can I take you? What can I do to help you? I could tell something was wrong, but I just kept driving. Um, just went about my day. I talked to a few people about it, like, man, I saw this girl. And I just, I didn't stop to help her. I didn't know if she needed help. I didn't know what was going on. And um, the next day, I show up to Peak View, and she's there. She was walking down the highway to Sand Creek to go kill herself. OK. I know this is heavy. Now you're feeling kind of where I'm at. This is heavy. So she went to go kill herself, and she was okay. But I had this opportunity, and I didn't take it. And there's something so comforting and confirming. Am I spitting on the mic? Something so comforting and confirming, knowing who we are in Christ, but also having those opportunities where we know that it's the right place at the right time and that we're the right person, you know? Um, So, Pastor Derek asked me to preach. Um, I had a really busy week. My kids don't get it. You know, they're not like, okay, Mom, we'll let you study. Fine. You know, so my, uh, my study time and my pre- preparation time is when the kids go to bed and sometimes after Jared is in bed too, right? Um, and so I was up late last night studying and just kind of getting the final things in place, um, sending Michael emails that just you don't even want to know what time. Like, here's my stuff. Surprise. Surprise. Um, And then I finally go to bed, and at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, there's some really odd noises outside our house. It sounded like an injured dog, like maybe a dog had been hit by a car, or maybe there was a fox, a hurt fox, right outside our house, and Jared was losing it, and I was like, Jared, go back to bed. I'm busy. I'm sleeping. You know, if you want to know what it is, go find out what it is. Like, leave me out of this. Just total attitude, like, don't talk to me. I don't want to do this. And he was like, fine, you know, and so we went back to bed, and we just dismissed it. We thought it was an animal. Well, we get up this morning. We're supposed to be here at 8, and Jared runs out to go get my coffee cup to wash it for me because I left it in the car, and we get out. He goes out to the car, and he comes running back in. I'm putting on my makeup, and he says, you need to come outside immediately. I'm like, oh, my gosh, dead animal, something, you know, right? Um, And we get outside, and there is a little girl sitting in our car. There is a 13- or 14-year-old child sitting in our car. She's buckled in, she has a backpack, no shoes, keys, um, just sitting there. We're like, okay, wrong car, (laughs) oops. So I go out and I talk to her, and she was so severely disabled, she could not communicate, did not know her name, did not know where she lived, looked like she may have been homeless, Um, just a child sitting there, and it was humbling to be in the right place at the right time to help this person, you know, and the team of people that came out and helped, the police and the EMTs that came out and helped, they were amazing, but it kind of put me in check this morning about who I am in Christ, what it means to be in Christ, so I was hoping I I would get up here and just have energy, and instead I'm feeling very Rounded and just kind of even keeled and we're going to talk about our identities in Christ. Um, The life group that I attend has been having so much fun this summer because the messages have been building upon one another and so we sit around in the congregation and at life group and we um, discover all the themes that are going on throughout the messages. There's been some pretty awesome themes that have been popping up in the messages and identity is one of them. Jeremiah love Jeremiah. He's a great preacher. He preached on and uh, having an identity crisis, um, and he touched on salvation, what it means to be saved. What does that look like? We're still being saved. How does that play into our identity and, and uh, having an identity crisis? And then he followed it up with Youth Camp, which is all about divergence, and that was based on Romans 12 2 says do not conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and so if we are not conforming to this world we're diverging from what the world has to offer and then pastor followed this kind of gay okay, he kept the momentum going and he started talking about culture and he went through and talked about the different philosophies that have led and contributed to the climate of our current culture today what does that look like? What does that feel like? Where did that come from? And last week, his message on what, it was on what is molding you with an emphasis on culture. Is the culture molding you? Or are you molding the culture? So he left us with these two questions, and this is where we're going to pick up. He asked you, will I change the world or will the world change me? And will my identity come from God or from the world? So this is our launching point. I have to tell you that my reaction to these questions influenced the direction of this message this morning. Um, So the questions kind of give us a, a juxtaposition. Will the world change me or will I change the world? But when I read these questions, was meditating on it, I had a moment of doubt in myself. And so when I read the questions, I read it as, will my identity come from God? Like, can I trust that that's going to happen? And will I really change the world? Like, what I do, do I really make an impact? Will I really change the world? There is um, a direct relationship between our identity and the impact we have on this world. The definition of identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. So what makes you, you? Why do you take the way you do? Why do you like what you do? Why do you do what you do? Jeremiah said it really great. He said, I don't, what did he say? What I do does not determine who I am, but who I am determines what I do. So our, our identity has a direct effect on the impact we have in this world. Culture is defined as the sum total of the ways of living, so it's complex, it includes everything, but it is a way of life, some total way of life for a group of people, so identity and culture do overlap. Identity can also be a group identity which looks like culture, so they're very similar, and when I look at this question, it's not up there, that's okay, when I look at the question, will my identity come from God or from the world? What is that distinguishing factor? What is that line? What makes the difference in my life of whether or not the world determines who I am or God? That identity comes from God. And the answer is faith. The determining factor, the distinguishing line is faith. How do we determine the source of our identity? It's faith. The Bible's amazing, right? Because the Bible is full of parables and metaphors. And the purpose of those parables and metaphors is to help us gain understanding, give us new insight, look at things a little bit differently. It helps us to relate to the situation and and get an aha moment, if you will, be inspired. Um, We are going to end today's service with prayer. The purpose of doing an altar call is to just inspire some sort of movement, to inspire some sort of change. The benefits of an altar call may just be taking that step of faith to say, God, has speak into my heart about this, or this is what's going on in my life, and I believe that prayer works. An example of this, after I had uh, one of my children... <laughs> Um, I don't know which one. I had, I, it was probably Tegan because I was helping up at Black Forest, and so I wasn't as connected to this body. Um, and this is, this is where I grew up. And these are the people I know. These are the people that have supported me. And so I just didn't feel as connected. And so after I had Tegan, I kind of had the blues. Um, and I kind of felt lost, and I kind of felt like I was walking kind of just in a fog and in a haze and a cloud. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have the same support in my life. So I kept brushing it off. You know, oh, it'll, it'll pass, it'll pass. And I just kept brushing it off, brushing it off. Um, I didn't really think that anybody could fix it for me because, I mean, what are you going to do? Give me a formula, formula for, you know, right? Like, you know, so I kind of didn't think. I don't know. I didn't know what to do. And so I just kept brushing it off. But enough was enough. And I came, we had a service here, and I asked Angie to pray for me. And she didn't give me any advice. She just said, God, lift this fog Cassie's an awesome mom, thank you for your strength. And that fog lifted support and prayer. So we are going to pray today. So as I'm speaking, if you have any sort of aha moments, this is what's going on in my life, keep that in mind because you're going to have the opportunity to respond. And that response may be the very step that brings about change. Or it may be the very step that brings about confirmation. Identity is not easy. Finding out who we are in Christ and what we're supposed to do, that can be complicated, and, or we make it complicated when it shouldn't be. So we will have that opportunity. Metaphors. We're, I'm going to use a metaphor today for culture, and that is culture is atmosphere. Culture is atmosphere. This is why I'm going to use this metaphor. Um, because culture is a way of life, but it's not, it's not something that you can't see. Culture is observable. Culture is uh, documentable. Culture is something you can hear. It's something you can touch. It's something you can taste. It's something, it's something that you can smell. And it's something that you can see. So culture is the atmosphere around us. You can, you can hear it, touch it, smell it, taste it, and see it. But 2 Corinthians 5-7 tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. So the atmosphere that you are in, it does not define you, and it is not your guide. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. It's tricky because we need our eyes, we need, we need to get around, right? We need to use our senses to understand the world around us. But the distinguishing factor is faith, and we walk by faith and not by sight. Our faith, by faith our identity is found in Christ and not in our culture. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word is powerful. Um, I, while I was worshiping this morning I was just so relieved Because sometimes you feel like you have to do so much work. Like, gosh, this is going to be hard. I have to do so much work. And God was reminding me, I have already done that work. You know? And even just getting up here and preaching, like, oh, it just takes so much of the burden off of sharing a message because God is at work in you. It is not. I had to have nothing I maybe inspire some inspiration using the word of God, but God is already at work in you. He has been working in you this entire summer. Whatever you need to hear, you're going to hear. God's Holy Spirit is going to guide you in that, and that is awesome, <laughs> right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, so our main our main parable that we're going to use this morning is about the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock, Matthew seven twenty four through 27 says, Therefore, whoever hears these saying of mine, sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and be on that house. There's some atmosphere, right? And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. I have a very vivid imagination, so I love these, I love these parables because I can imagine that storm. That must have been a mighty storm. And what I love about this parable is that both houses were in the same atmosphere, in the same storm, but they both had different results. When I think about where I'm at in this picture, too, I always imagine myself as a little person standing inside this house. But the truth of the matter is, I am that person, but I am also that house. And we've all experienced what it's like to feel like you're unsafe, but also to have your world crumble around you, to just fall apart, right? We know what that feels like, and so I'm that person, I am also that house my identity, and my foundation is very important. It's an important piece of that. I was reading through pastor's notes. He left them in the sanctuary. <laughs> I found them over here, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> I got treasure. I got pastor's notes. There was a scripture in there um, because he was talking about who is molding you, and we are often compared to, our relationship with God is compared to the potter and the clay. And in Isaiah it talks about what it looks like, what it feels like to be that fool. What are the consequences of being the fool? So I'm going to read that to you real quick, and it's kind of humorous. I might giggle. It says, because I do this, I do this. (laughs) It says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong, Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? How often do I approach God with that kind of attitude, you know? He he reigns, just like we were singing. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He made me. He is good. But so often I'm like, you cannot make me that way. That is not a part of the plan, you know? Did you mess up? Did you mess up? (laughs) Did you mess up? You know what I mean? Um, I do that all the time. So for the fool, the atmosphere for the fool and around the fool's house was no different than the other house for the wise man. It was the same atmosphere, but it was a burden. The pressure was too much. Maybe the storm just lasted too long. Do you ever feel like this is going on for too long? You know? I I can't imagine what he was thinking. Maybe, um, yeah, but... The result was that the ground underneath his home shifted. And remember, I said earlier that culture is all-encompassing. Culture is the atmosphere, but that doesn't just include the clouds and the storm and the wind and the rain, but that also includes the ground. And the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand and it shifted. Just as Pastor Derek was sharing with us, culture shifts. Culture changes. Culture is always doing something different. It changes. Um, and just to kind of use the sand illustration, sand changes too. It, it moves, it shifts, it alters, it settles, right? Sand settles. So it's not, don't build your house on sand. It's not a solid foundation. The sand for the fool, it moved, it settled, it changed, and the house fell. God does not shift. God does not settle. When it comes to you, God will not settle. God will not give in and he will not give up. Okay? And hear me on that because often we think that God has moved on or God has backed off. God does not change and he does not give up and he will only, only settle on what is best for you which is his plan for you and that includes your identity that includes your life that includes your your metaphorical house if you will that's important your position is important that's why I share this story this morning because often I think you know I, I understand that God is concerned with where I'm at he is concerned with my position in life but sometimes I fail to see that that position is right where he needs me to be because there are people around me who need what I have. There are people around me who need what I have to offer. That's what we're gonna talk about today. What does that even look like? Um, My position is not just a concern, but my position is a strategy, if you will. My position is, can we even say what, what would you say, like, like if you were playing risk or something, you know? I guess it would be a strategy. Where you place your marker is important. It's your strategy, and that's a part of who I am as well. That is my identity in Christ as well. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen, hallelujah. So let's just do a shift real quick. We're going to start to break down identity a little bit. There are three parts to your identity, the components of your identity, who you were, who you are, and who you will be, okay? I'm going to suggest something very interesting about our identity because our past is really important. Our, our past, the story of who we are, is an important part of who you are today, right? At some point, from who you were to who you are, there was an experience with the living God, right? And that makes who you are, too, but your past is not your identity. Okay, And your, your future is important as well because it, it's, that's where we hope and that's where we dream and that's where the promises of God and we hold on to those things and, and we know that there's so much and God is doing so much and that helps us move forward. So the future is important as well, but that is not your identity. Your identity is present tense. Um, this is something I've always kind of struggled with. I've always been fascinated with the idea of identity I've always wanted to know who I am, and I'm going to be pretty honest with you, but I'm going to laugh about it because God has changed me so much in the past few years. Um, the summer after, after I had Ainsley, she's seven, so seven years ago, I decided I've had a baby. I need to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. Um, so I read a book called Holy Discontent. It's all right. It's okay. Um, But in this book, it suggested, you know, spend time in prayer. Find out what just burns you up for the Lord. Find out what makes you tick kind of thing. And so I spent this entire summer trying to figure it out, and I got no answers, and I was so frustrated, and it didn't work for me, and I was so angry. And it really, what it boiled down to was I wanted to know the details of who I am in Christ because I wanted to prove God's favor in my life. Because if, if God would reveal that to me, then he must like me, right? He must need me. So it was really a pride issue. And I wanted God's favorite. And I, I just wanted to know that I'm God's favorite, okay? Um, it's, it's, I am. I'm God's favorite. Uh, but that's a shared identity that we all have. And that God has brought me to that and understanding that and honoring that. That is a shared identity. And that's something that we can all take part in and all rejoice in. We are God's favorite. I like that. Um, But what I learned, what I learned during that time was I had just become a mom. The work of God in my life was motherhood. And looking back, I can tell you with all assurance that that work has had the biggest impact on my life. And that if I want to be someone who uh, changes the world or makes an impact on the world, I need to embrace what God is doing in my life, even if it seems ordinary. Because that's what God's doing in my life. And I would not be here today, I would not be the person that I am today, if I did not embrace what God is doing in my life. Amen? Amen. Um, Jeremiah, <laughs> I keep bringing his stuff up because I've been taking notes and I love it. Um, oh, I don't want to miss this because this is a note for you guys. Um, There's nothing wrong with seeking the Lord for direction, wisdom, details, until the lived moments that we have, the moments that we have are dismissed or put under the rug in search for something that we think is greater because it is in the moment, it is in the moment that we have those lived experiences with God. So identity is present tense because it's in the moment. It is happening now. It is a lived experience with God. Jeremiah said, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because I was sitting over here when he said it, and I felt it resonate through the body when he said it. He talked about how the Bible says that God is our forward and our rear guard. Do you remember this? He said that, the, that God is our forward and rear guard, and then he said, who you were does not define you. What happened back here does not define you. That is not your identity. Okay, and I love that. I loved that so much because God has gone. He is before me, and he protects me from my past. He protects me from the impact of my past, good or bad. Um, he protects me from that. He holds that. He keeps that. He is my rear guard, but he's also my shield because he goes before me, Right? He goes before me. He is gone there before I went there. He is my shield, and so he protects me in the future, too. But our identity in Christ is not here or back here. It is right here, right now. My identity in Christ is right here and right now. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. Right here in Christ, I stand before you. I am hidden in Christ, so I know that I am safe. But it is also in Christ that I am revealed, that, that whatever God would have me do is revealed. However he would have you impact the world is revealed when you are in Christ. There is a really frustrating connection I say frustrating. It's not. It's good. It's a frustrating connection between identity and affection. There is a connection between identity and affection. Let me read these to you. These are some of my favorite Proverbs of all time. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs twenty seven nineteen. says, As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. (laughs) Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Your heart is the seat of your affection, and it has a profound impact on your identity and also the issues of life. And I, I really spent a good amount of time meditating on that. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. <coughs> whoa, whoa, we're not gonna go there because that's, that's a lot. What does that even look like? What is that? Out of it spring the issues of life. That's, that's huge. Our identity, um, our identity, your affection has an impact on your identity and the issues of life. There are a lot of scriptures that talk about your identity in Christ. They are amazing. You need to review them and review them and review them because whatever season you are in, something's going to resonate within you. Not only something that you identify with, but something that you need. Something that you need. A while ago, I was kind of going through like this existential crisis. <laughs> I do that. Um, and <laughs> so I was spending time in prayer about it, and I was like, what is going on? What do I need? Why do I feel this way? Why am I here? God, you need to use me. God, you know, why did you give me a voice and I'm not using it? And just blew, I just blew up, okay? Um, when, I, when I pray, I, sometimes my fists, sometimes it's like this, like, come on. Um, so I was having this existential crisis, and God revealed something a need in my life that I could not even recognize, and it was a need for friendship. Friendship. And he satisfies that. He satisfies that when I am in Christ, and he satisfies that here, the community in Christ. And so my whole world has just been just changed, you know? I love it. Um, all right, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. I'm super excited. Your identity in Christ is powerful and it is important. And we're trying to connect your identity to how you will change the world. What is the connection between identity and how you will change the world? So let's read this proverb, not proverb, parable. Let's read this parable. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, this is is your identity scripture. This is good. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Identity in Christ changes atmosphere. You don't even have to do anything. Your identity in Christ, your, that presence, changes atmosphere. Here it is. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt and light are both atmosphere changers. Salt enhances flavor. Yummy. It changes temperature. It melts stuff. All right? Light expels darkness. And both have healing properties. Are you with me? This is awesome. Your identity in Christ, you are salt and light. And that changes atmosphere. And those are no small changes. Those are no small changes. Those are huge. You can change temperature. You can change the way someone sees their life. Your presence, your identity in Christ has healing properties. That's powerful. Your identity changes atmosphere. Here, I've got some more proof. Matthew 8, 24 through 27. Jesus. He's so cool. (laughs) Listen to this. I love this. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea. Talk about some atmosphere, okay? So that the boat was covered with waves. That's a problem. (laughs) But he was asleep. Jesus. Jesus. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he rose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The power of Christ changes atmosphere. That's awesome. The next point, identity in Christ defies atmosphere, and that's kind of what Jesus was doing there too, all right? There was an atmosphere, and he said, nope, right? Okay, so go back, to, go back to the picture of the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock. If I was watching it, if I was objective and watching it happen, and there was a mighty storm, I expect those houses to fall. That house that fell in the sand, that does not surprise me, because culture also tells us how we need to respond, and it gives us the script for our life, and when you have stuff going on in your life, there is an expected response. Crumbling, falling apart, is expected, okay, there is an expected response. And so when I see that house fall in that sand, yep, that makes sense. That's the way it's supposed to happen, right? But the house that was built on the rock did not fall. That is unexpected. Our identity in Christ defies the atmosphere. It withholds it. It goes against the grain. It challenges it challenges it just as Christ challenged the atmosphere. He was asleep on that boat. He should not have been asleep on that boat. He should not have been. He that was unexpected because Christ defies atmosphere. Whoa. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. When we build our house upon the rock, which is an identity in Christ, we defy the atmosphere. We have the unexpected. And we also have the power to change the atmosphere. That's cool. <laughs> Woo, this is good stuff. Okay, so finally, um, go and read John 15. John chapter 15, the whole chapter, it, it follows this message very well. I just didn't want to read it because it's so rich and delicious that I knew for sure it would blow me way off track. And, and I wouldn't be able to stay on point because it's, oh, it's good. It's good. This is a good chapter. I love it. It's yummy. Um, but go and read John 15. And what there, there's like some highlights in John 15. The first portion of John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He tells us to abide in him and he will abide in us, our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ is productive because that branch that was connected to Christ produced fruit. It made an impact. It made a change it had an impact in the world around it it provided something of value the second portion immediately following your identity in christ abide in me and i will abide in you jesus says the world will hate you culture will hate you because if it does not accept jesus it will not accept you You can't have both. You can't have a cultural identity, a culture that defines your identity, and also be in Christ. Because the culture rejects Christ. You're going to constantly feel a pull. Maybe you feel that pull. Maybe you feel that kind of battle going on, because culture rejects Jesus Christ. So if you have Christ in you, but you're trying to trying to have your identity in the world as well, there's going to be some uncomfortable tension between the two. Um, And the very end of that, after your identity in Christ is shown and then the world is going to hate you, Jesus says, but I will send you a helper. I will send you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I will send you the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. And what started this whole message for me were little seeds of doubt. Will I change the world? Is this true? Does my identity come from God? But the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. And I love how Pastor Derek describes the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit leaves a mark on you an impression on you. And Pastor Derek, sometimes he talks about like a king's ring with his seal on it. And that, that that seal is the impression upon your heart. And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. He is that impression. When you are saved, you have that impression that Mark uh, Jesus has marked you. But I'm going to give you something really tasty. Just something really yummy about these scriptures. Let me... um. Let me read these scriptures to you about the Holy Spirit being our guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us, or, redo. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 says, In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I have done a study on this word guarantee in Ephesians it does mean mark it does mean impression but if you take it down even further guarantee in the original greek means engagement ring engagement ring the cult, our culture has a lot of messages for us about what love is about what love looks like we can see it in commercials right what does it say what is that one that ends with, but a diamond is forever? Where's Jared? I need Jared. He's good at this. You know, buy this ring because a diamond is forever. Or no. No, that's not true. But there's a lot of messages about what love is, what it looks like, what it feels like. Um, Even even if you're looking to get married soon, or maybe some of you remember shopping for rings. What's that balance? I don't want to go too cheap, but I don't want to pay too much you know like I want her to know how much I really care about her like she's valuable to me but where's that balance and Christ tells us in this scripture Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is our engagement ring that he gives us when we're saved and we know that he had to die for the Holy Spirit to come he paid a heavy price for that ring he paid a heavy price for that guarantee that you would have an identity in him, that you could abide in him and he in you. That was so important to him that he was willing to pay it all for you to have that ring, that engagement to him. Christ, he, you are his favorite, and your value in Christ is incomparable It is immeasurable. Your value in Christ is immeasurable. He died on the cross for us to secure our position, to secure our identity in him. Instead of being tossed back and forth by what the atmosphere has to offer, I hate that feeling. Oh, I hate that feeling of confusion or uh, like, my, I don't have my own two feet underneath me, and I can't understand what's going in my mind. i racing thoughts, and oh, that's awful. But Christ paid the price. He paid that price because you are valuable so that your identity can be firm in him. So our last point, very last point, it is our identity in Christ that has an impact on the world what Christ has done to secure that identity and the power contained within that identity, it has an impact in this world. Amen? Okay, if everybody could stand to their feet. We are at the end. Um, We would love to pray with you this morning and I've been kind of tossing up, how do I want to do this? You know, do we want to do it where we open up the altar and people who need pray, prayer can walk down here and the elders will lay hands on them? Or do I just bow our heads, close our eyes, raise your hand, and I pray for you? Um, I feel like this morning maybe we should do both because some of you may need the support and having the elders. The Bible tells us if, the, if you're sick, have the elders lay hands on you. And that does not just include your body. So if there's something going on, having the support of the elders lay hands on you, that is a biblical principle. That is powerful. But everyone in here, everyone in here is also a support to you. So um, I'll pray, and if you don't want to come forward, that's fine. But if you want prayer, you can raise your hand, and the people around you can pray for you. And we can be the community in Christ. Amen? Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, God. I thank you for the opportunity to speak. Ah, God, I thank you for going before us, for, for being with us, being present with us throughout the week. God, I thank you that you know our hearts and our minds. I thank you that you know what we need and you delight in us, God. I thank you that we are your favorite, God. And I just pray this morning, I pray for anybody in here, and if, you, um, if anything rang true with you or if anything resonated with you and you'd like to come forward, you can come forward now. If not, please raise your hand so I can pray for you. God, I thank you for your value. I thank you for loving us um, and paying that price for us. You are amazing, and I thank you for the opportunity to, to serve you and to uh, know your love and have those experiences with you. God, you are glorious. God, you are glorious. Relationship with you is incomparable to anything else, Lord. And I just pray for those in here, Lord God, who have maybe um, turned from that, haven't experienced that, have, are longing to have that genuine relationship with you. And I just pray that you would speak to them, uh, that you would comfort them, that, that you would clothe them in righteousness, Lord Jesus. I pray for those opportunities, Lord, God, to know you, to know you more and to be authentic with you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you want to keep going. You may go if you want to go. I'm going to pray.